153. So um, we're starting off on three Sundays, which we've called Count Me In, and a, um, a whole set of different things to do with that, including um, this um, famous video, um, which I'm bullied into. Um, and um, the, we're trying to ask the question, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What should it be to be um, not simply somebody who attends, but somebody who belongs, somebody who contributes, somebody who makes a difference um, to a church anyway, but to this church in particular? And last week, I preached Acts chapter 2, the the passage which describes what that very first gathering of Christians looked like and did and achieved. And uh, we were um, kicking that off by saying we have to take notice of the baggage we carry to this question. Because depending on your experience, or I guess for some of us, lack of experience before, church life and of belonging to church... Um, will depend on what we expect or what we think it's about. Depending on the picture that we've got in our heads, or maybe the set of pictures we've got in our heads, it will shape and affect um, how we react to being asked about how we might grow in our faith or serve as a team, or especially, I suppose, how we might give financially. And so over these three Sundays, um, today and the next two, I'm going to simply pick three pictures, three Bible pictures of what the people of God is and looks like. And, and from those, try and um, show how they underpin these three things that we're talking about. We're actually going to talk about all of three of these commitments every week, about, um, about growing and serving and giving, rather than one a week. And we're going to start by looking at this um, perhaps most famous picture of the church that Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthian church, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, verse 12 onwards. That's page, that's page 1,153. It's actually quite a long passage for us, um, although it's not really very long when you look at it on the page. Uh, But I'm going to read it in full, because to be absolutely honest, it's a passage that preaches itself. Um, I mean, needless to say, I'm still going to preach. Um, I wouldn't miss an opportunity. But it doesn't really need me to say anything. Just listen to what it says. Picture in your your mind what it is Paul is describing and why he's describing it. Um, And remember that when Paul was writing this, he was writing to a group of Christians... Um, in a town called Corinth, that numbered probably fewer than we have, but not that different from our numbers here. He wasn't writing to a a mega church of thousands. He wasn't so much writing to a great group of churches in a great city. He was writing to a gathering of Christians of all sorts of backgrounds, of all types, some who were rich, some who were poor, of Jews and Greeks, of slaves and free. And he was saying to them, this is what it looks like to be part of God's um, church together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read from verse 12 all the way to the end of that chapter. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 
But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, the workers of miracles, or those who have the gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But equally desire the greater gifts. Now, there is genuinely, and I've seen it done, and I've been part of a series where you could preach a whole term of sermons just off the back of that fantastic um, bit of a sermon from Paul. It's such a rich set of imagery. But there's easily enough, therefore, for us to simply spend 15 or 20 minutes with today. And it speaks precisely, specifically, and powerfully to what we're talking about over these three weeks of Count Me In. Because it gives us a... Uh, a mental map, a mental picture into which we place ourselves. We are, says Paul, together the body of Christ. Interestingly enough, he doesn't give the option of opting out or opting in. He says there will be some of us at times who say, I don't belong, or they don't belong, but actually whether we like it or not, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, then we are members of the body of Christ whether we think we're important or not important, whether we think we should be hidden out of the way or up the front, whether we think other people value us or not, the Bible says you are part of the body of Christ and you are a piece of that body, a member of that body. I wonder which bit of the body you think you are. Um, I've learnt now not to do this with particular age groups of children because body parts are inevitably... Um, a disaster with particular age groups. But the fact is that actually when you visualise at least the presentable and out, out in the open parts of the body, there are all sorts of ways in which we can visualise ourselves at different parts of our Christian life. There are times when actually sometimes we, get, we sort of think, I'm, I'm doing a lot here, I'm like a hand. You know, God's using me to do this or to do that and, and a lead and to be up front and, and, and make a real difference. And other times when we feel like a little muscle somewhere around the back of the calf that's out of the way, nobody notices. And maybe only causes trouble when we're in trouble. Paul's having none of that. The most important thing to say, and in a sense, this is the the only thing to say, is that whoever you are, whatever you think you bring or don't bring, 
you are part of the body of Christ. Therefore, the state of your faith, the gifts that you serve with, and the financial resources at your command, all of them are part of the body of Christ, either given or not given, either contributing or not contributing. We don't get to opt in or out. We're we belong. That's the most important thing Paul says. Actually, that should be a real encouragement to us. We all want to belong. It's the most, it's one of the deepest desires from the, the youngest child to the oldest adult is to belong, is to be valued, is to be needed, is to be part of something bigger than us, whether it's a group of friends in the playground, whether it's our family as, as we have kids, whether it's part of a great team at work, whether it's part of a local community or a church, we have an inbuilt, God-given need to belong and to be useful. One of the disasters of the Christian church over centuries is to give the impression that some people are more needed than others. Some people are more valuable than others. Some people get to belong more than others. Paul has none of that. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you belong. If you belong, you are vital. You are absolutely vital. You matter. And when we miss out on you, the whole body misses out on you. Look, there are loads of themes we could pick up in here, but here are the three most obvious. You'll pick up other ones. Uh, There's the theme of unity. A body simply cannot function properly if the parts don't work uh, in a sort of synchronicity with one another. And we know that actually when bodies begin to go wrong, one of the worst things that can happen is one part of the body stops communicating with another part or stops working together with another part. It doesn't really matter whether you talk about internal organs or a particular limb or a particular sense. Actually, when they stop connecting, the whole body suffers. I don't know whether you've ever um, really, really hurt your toe. Um, Your big toe in particular, if you've ever broken it, you will know that that part of the body that you probably think about very little is pretty vital. It's incredibly painful. It really does stop you doing an awful lot of things that you thought just came naturally. And it, it you know, pretty much scuppers the whole walking business. You, do, it, you have to make a real meal of it. It's one little toe. Well, big toe, but you know what I mean. It's just a toe. Any part of the body that is damaged or knocked out of action or has that sense of not really belonging affects the whole. We aren't allowed to look around the body of Christ and think, yeah, you know, they're important, them not so much, or they're important, me not so much. It's not that God wants us to feel better about ourselves for the sake of it. It's just, it's just not true. Every single follower of Jesus belongs and has to belong because you're needed. Whether you've been following Jesus for a few days or for all of your life, you belong you need to belong, and we belong together. There is a unity about it. Now, unity expresses itself in all sorts of ways. It doesn't mean, I ought to say, it doesn't mean that unity is all about agreeing with one another over everything. It doesn't mean that unity is all about looking the same, being the same, speaking the same, having the same outlook on life, any more than my finger has to work the same way as my eye. But what unity does mean is that we count one another as valuable. We treat one another as precious. And we don't build a hierarchy. We say, 
all of us belong. So the first theme um, is of unity, and both of the other themes come directly out of that. That second theme is for those of us who are most tempted to think that we are the ones that wouldn't really be noticed if we weren't here. In, uh, when Paul's writing, he illustrates it this way. If the, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it wouldn't suddenly stop belonging to the body. Paul's saying, how idiotic, how ridiculous that the foot should think it's not important and doesn't really belong because it's not a hand. It's no more ridiculous. Or, sorry, it's no less ridiculous if you and I look at somebody doing something we wish we could do or who seems to know so much more about our faith than we do or seems to be so much confident, more confident than we are or seems, and this is the hardest thing, seems to just know so many more people than we do. Seems to be with the, you know, the in crowd. And let me, j- let me just tell you, uh, it doesn't matter which church you're in, there's always groups of people you think, oh, they're the in bunch, and, and they know everybody. The, the irony is that generally when you talk to them, they think everybody else is in the in crowd and knows everybody. It's just the way groups of people work. But the fact is, whether you feel you're in or you're out, whether you think you've got fantastic gifts to offer or nothing at all, Paul says to you, you cannot say you don't belong, and you aren't allowed to say you don't matter, because you do, and you do. But equally, Paul goes on to say, you can't also say, I am so important isn't it a good thing for all souls that I'm here compared with some of the hoi polloi I'm sure none of us think like that but the fact is there are points where it's possible to start thinking you know what I'm doing is really very important or what I'm giving financially is really very important or who I am and my faith really is very impressive the enemy just whispers in our ear a little bit of just pride comes in and we meet somebody who's new or new to faith or lacking in confidence And there's a bit of patronizing. There's a little bit of looking down. And Paul says, don't be ridiculous. God's just given you a different role. God's just given you a different place. They're no more or less. You are no more or less belonging or precious than one another. It's a very powerful image. It preaches itself. It simply works that we are different but together. We have different roles, but we are all precious. We are different, but actually, if any of us weren't here, the body of Christ misses out. Now, actually, that's true any Sunday that you're not here. We miss you. Uh, You know, whether or not you're on a list and we're ticking a list, actually, your gifts, your friendship, your encouragement, your smile, you simply being here, you're missed. But it also speaks into the three things that we've talked about that we're talking about in Count Me In because we haven't just plucked these three things out of the air. We haven't simply think, right, gosh, what do we need to do in the coming year? How can we persuade people to sign up? Really and truly, that's not what we've tried to do. We've looked at the shape that the Bible gives to church life and said, well, then what does it look like to belong? And all three of these things, to grow and to serve and to give, flow directly, actually, out of this image of the body of Christ, or at least they're spoken to directly by them. Now, the most obvious one is what Paul talks about, which is service, using our gifts. So Paul, towards the end of this passage, um, rattles off a list. It's not his only list. It's not an exhaustive list. um, And the list, the the contents of the list aren't really the important thing for now. But it's a list of some of the different types of gifts people bring. There are upfront gifts and leadership gifts. There are behind-the-scenes gifts and enabling gifts. There are gifts that you notice and gifts you don't. But he says all of them 
are given to serve the whole body. It's quite often the case that you don't really understand the workings of, of an internal organ until it goes wrong. If you ask me about exactly what it is my liver or my kidney or my pancreas does, I'm a little bit hazy, to be honest. I did O-level biology, but that was far too long ago to tell you, and I really have very little idea anymore. But I guarantee that if one of them went wrong, I'd find out pretty quick, and I'd certainly experience the lack of them. You may not notice the particular gifts of other people around you, but the body notices when those gifts aren't being used. Sometimes you're not even sure that you've got much to offer, but the Bible says that everybody has something to offer, whether it's simply friendship and encouragement. I say simply, I can't actually think of a more important gift to the body of Christ than friendship and encouragement. I'll tell you, for, as a church leader, the people that you just long for are those who actually give friendship and encouragement to others. Because that's what knits us together. That's what connects people. People who don't stand waiting for people to come to them, but are able to go and connect people up and make friendships. It's fantastic. And yet we don't really think of that as an important gift. The gift of being willing to be actually out there while we're in here once a month, sitting and cutting out shapes and sticking down and singing songs and actually just enjoying the company of um, a bunch of children as they learn about Jesus. The, 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 the gift of, uh, of administration or of sitting where Craig is today in that behind-the-scenes yet incredibly exposed place where if you get something wrong, click something wrong, none of us see the words. But without him, we wouldn't have anything to sing. The, the people who welcome us at the door are making refreshments. The people who help with the community events that are happening on the Iverbridge estate, um, those who are involved in the youth work. Um, endless, endless gifts that are being used. Some people have got lots of time. Some people have got almost no time at all. Some people feel very confident in the gifts they're giving. Other people are saying, well, I'd like to help, but I don't even know where to start. Help me. But the point is that the body of Christ needs me, needs you. It misses out. But more than that, I miss out if I'm not doing what I can. Now, personally, and I mustn't go off too much of a tangent on this, I think this doing in church life itself. I think that you are the body of Christ, whether you're sitting here a pew on a Sunday or sitting in a staff meeting on a Monday morning at 10 o'clock or making a sales call at half three on a Wednesday afternoon, or standing in the school playground at the end of the school day picking the kids up, you are still part of the body of Christ, and you are still using your gifts, if you are, your gift of integrity, your gift of wisdom, your gift of loyalty, your gift of friendship, your gift of healing. You use them wherever you go. It doesn't have to just be in the life of the church, but it needs to include it. So where, how might you serve? Because you're important. We need you. God's church needs you. I guess it's fairly easy as well to apply this image of the body to our financial um, giving. Um, it's a funny old thing, um, money and church. And I think some of us get, um, have been burnt at times getting this sort of conversation about it wrong. But the best place to start is to simply say, look, a body uses up energy um, as, it, you know, as it's active. Um, I did a, about three, four weeks ago, and I'll tell you more about this in a moment, but actually it was longer than that, five or six weeks ago, um, I stupidly, um, and in denial of my um, middle-aged status, um, ran a 10K race. Um, there were a lot of other people running that race, and I, 
I wasn't intending to finish uh, to win it. I was just intending to finish it, and I did. But afterwards, I felt a wee bit wobbly. Really, really, quite wobbly. And and I and I ate and I drank and I had a little sit down and I was very very aware for quite a few days afterwards that I had expended energy. And actually, that energy, in a sense, wasn't an end in itself. It was there to serve something I wanted to do. I, I actually love running. I don't do nearly enough of it, and there's lots of things that put me off, but actually, I love doing it. But you need those reserves to be able to do it. The fact is that money is a terrible master and a wonderful servant. If church life, or to be honest, any life, becomes about money, we've got it completely wrong. But if we miss the fact that actually church life costs then we're going to run out very quick. We worked out the other day, and this is a very rough guesstimate, that every week, just simply doing what we currently do, costs about £50 per household that show up on a Sunday. Every week, about £50. Um, and we don't get any subsidies. We don't get, any, we don't get money from the government. We don't get money from the Church of England. There isn't this great pot of money sitting somewhere that just sort of magically feeds us. Actually, we raise that money from two places, and two places only, from firing out our halls, which we do very efficiently, and from the incredible generosity and regular giving of people like you and me. But actually, without that, the body runs out of steam. And actually, right now, we're just sort of puffing along. We've got a fantastic gift that we've been given a couple of years ago, a big pot of money, that will give us another spurt, if you like, in running terms. But we can't run on forever. It's seed money. It gets us somewhere, but it gets us started on stuff that in the long term, we simply have got to build up what we're receiving week by week, month by month, from people who give. And in body terms, the point here is that none of us has so little that our gift is worthless, and none of us have so much that we're allowed to look at other people and say, well, they're not giving enough, so I won't. Now, that's the way the, the body illustration works. On the one hand, it says, if I have very little, that very little that I give is valuable in body terms, because it might be exactly the bit that God's given me to give. Jesus talks about the widow's might, doesn't he? The, the widow who is seen going into the temple, putting a tiny coin in compared with the great gift of money that the, some of the more ostentatious givers are giving. And he says, actually, it was this woman giving out of her need whose gift was particularly precious to God. You might have next to nothing to give. Or you might be part of a household where you're the only churchgoer. And therefore, it's only right that you say, well, there is very little I can give. I can't give other people's money. Well, so be it. That's okay. God knows that. doesn't mean that the few pounds that you can give in a month is not worth anything. Actually, in God's economy, it is just as precious as if you had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds to give. But the body is still impoverished without it. But similarly, the other way around, some of us are in a position of having plenty. And it's very easy, a bit like the head saying to other parts of the body, you know, I'm playing my bit and you're not doing your bit, to look elsewhere and think, well, you, you know, I don't think everybody else is pulling their weight, but uh, I'm not if I'm going to. But what if God's given you the gift of faith that somebody else hasn't yet had? What if the whole point is that you do have the, the gifts and you do have the faith and you do have the commitment to give? And if you're not, the whole point is impoverished. Now, there's lots of places to give. I hope that you... I hope look at the big, wide world out there um, and to people like 
um, the Red Cross and Tear Fund and Oxfam and, and all the different needs that are out there. I hope and pray that God nudges you in different ways to weigh up where you put your gifts, where this incredible riches that we have compared with the rest of the world goes. But I pray too, as part of this church and as part of the body, that you, you and me take seriously what it simply takes, put bluntly, to, to run, to do the next bit. Callum leaves in a few months' time, um, which we're all pretty um, devastated about. At the moment, we've got no guarantee of replacing him because we can't, at the moment, guarantee to afford to keep the house that we have. You'll know, as well, that we have, on an average Sunday between the morning and afternoon service, nearly 100 children in the building. But we've never actually quite pulled together the money to appoint a full-time youth and children's worker, although many, many churches who have a lot fewer children have got one. And we're struggling a bit, to be honest, with one. You have that, that the body of Christ needs. I'm serving, I'm giving. But here's the one that, that's this week as I was looking at this passage. And this is where I want to land it. I, I spoke last week about needing to breathe in as well as breathe out. This idea that it's all very well talking about serving and about giving and all this stuff that we're meant to do. But actually, unless we receive from God unless faith is growing eventually I will topple over it would be no good me going out for race after race after race and never eating never drinking never training never building up those strength reserves I have to receive as well as give out and that's why when we're talking about count me in we don't just talk about sign up for a team and give your money actually I hope we don't do that either what we actually say is about growing first a commitment to grow in my faith, to breathe in as well as out. And, you know, this image of a body occurred to me this week has something to say to that as well. Because imagine what happens to a body if one, albeit very little bit of the body, doesn't grow. Doesn't grow as much as it's meant to. It actually affects the whole. I I don't know whether you've ever been laid up with a broken leg Um, or a damaged part of your body that means that those muscles begin to get a bit weaker. It actually takes a long time to recover. Your whole body is affected. A a friend of mine who had a car accident uh, many, many years ago now, because of the pain that they suffered, started walking slightly oddly. And it meant certain muscles tensed up, other muscles got too weak. And actually, it just made the problem worse. And it wasn't that those muscles weren't trying hard. And it wasn't actually that they were damaged beyond repair. They'd simply got weak. They simply weren't growing as they were meant to. They weren't as strong as they were meant to. And it hit me between the eyes. You know, it's all very well me thinking about my faith as my business, my personal thing, me and God. But I suddenly realized, you know, my relationship with God affects the whole body. Not just because I'm the vicar. Actually, because I'm a member alongside you of the body of Christ. Which means if I'm not growing in my relationship with Jesus, I affect you. And if you're not growing in your relationship with Jesus, you affect me. We affect one another. Because the whole body needs to grow and get stronger. So if you're just beginning to nibble at the edges of faith, as many, many people are when they come to All Souls, there's lots of people who start coming to All Souls and say, you know, I'm only just beginning to learn what it is about what God might have to say to me, or even whether God's there. Actually, it's really important to the whole church that you go on exploring. You don't get stuck. 
If you're somebody who's been a Christian for decades, and you got a bit cold on it, or you got a bit tired with it, or you've lost your way a little bit, can I encourage you that it's the greatest gift you could give to the whole body of Christ to find a way of growing in your faith this year? It's not just about you. It's not just this will make you feel better or you be able to live better or, or improve your life. It'll do all of those things. I have absolutely no doubt. But it is a great gift that you give to the whole body because as you're getting stronger, you help everybody else. This is good news, actually. It's not meant to be a series of things you ought to do. It's meant to be an invitation to be who you're meant to be. If you're an arm, then to actually say to you, you're important, you have a job to do, you have stuff to offer and to give, and your growth and health is important, that's good news for you as an arm. You want to be as arm-like as you possibly can to play your part in the body in every possible way. You, whoever you are, me, whoever I am, wherever we've come from, however little faith or much faith we think we've got, have a few gifts or as many gifts as we think we've got, have a little money or as much money as we think we've got. You matter. And what you give, the ways that you serve, and in how you grow in your faith, affects other people. The person you're sitting next to in the pew, the person three rows back you've never, ever talked to, the person who hasn't even started coming to All Souls yet. You're going to make a difference. So, over the coming week, I'm going to be writing to everybody in All Souls, or at least everybody who, who's sort of on our list as this is their home church, and very simply saying, look, will you, are you willing to say, count me in for the coming year in All Souls? That this is how I'd love All Souls to help me grow in my faith? That this is a way, at least a way, that I will serve as part of a team? And this is what I think God's calling me to give financially, small or great. Because then the body is built up. And then more people get to know the love of Jesus. More communities are touched by the compassion of Christ. And the body is what it's meant to be because we belong and we live out that calling. I'm going to pray for us and then um, John and the band are going to come and lead us in some songs of response and of worship. Let's pray together.